When I'm at my end, you just getting started. When I hit a wall, you just walk through. When I face a mountain, you are the maker. So it's got to move. When I'm out of faith, then you are still faithful. When I'm at my questions you are the answer it all points 
Praise the Lord, everybody. Come on, stand on your feet. Let's give the Lord some praise this morning. Come on, the one that, you know, died for us. Hallelujah. There is so much joy. Hallelujah. There is joy in the house of the Lord. There is joy in the house of the Lord. There is joy. There is joy. There is a river flowing, a river of joy and laughter. We want to swim in the water. We want to dance. There is a river. There is a river flowing. A river of joy and laughter. We want to dance. There is a river. 
We thank you for your mercies. We thank you for your love. We thank you for all the things that you have done for us, oh God. Things so undeserved, oh God. But you came, oh God, to prove your life for us, oh God. We were nothing, but you make something beautiful out of our life. Father God, as we worship in this place this morning, we ask you to touch us individually. Touch us collectively, Lord God. Let there be a mighty move of your spirit in the service this morning. We ask you, Lord God, to touch our online congregation this morning, oh God. Be with them, Lord God. Help them too, Lord God, to have an experience like never before, Lord God. Speak to us individually and collectively. Let your will be done as we come at the service in your hand. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Can we just give the Lord another round of applause this morning?
is our watch night service. Am I correct? Yeah. Our watch night service. And we start at, uh, I think it's at 9 p.m. or 9.30 p.m. Amen. So invite someone to be a part of, uh, you know, our, uh, of our experience. If you have never experienced a watch night service or online congregation, you know, you can tune in with us. Or if you want to be in the present in the house of God, amen, we invite you all to come out and let's have a good time in the Lord. Amen. Amen. Any other announcement that I forget? No, that's it. Amen. All right, so we, we had the honor this week of having our annual banquet. Well, I said annual. Um, you know, we, we've been have very fortunate to have, um, um, you know, banquets, but because of the pandemic, things has changed. There's been restriction. There's been shut down with everything that's going on with the pandemic. Amen. Be aware. Be mindful. Um, you know, I just glanced something briefly in my new uh, message pop up about the, the pandemic. Uh, make sure you keep your mask on when possible, whenever, especially when you're in public places. Um, make sure um, to just be vigilant and just be careful. Amen. Um, so we, we had the honor of having our banquet. We have a, had a very good friend of mine, very good friend of us. He's been in the, in the area before in New Jersey. It's not the first time he's been in our area. But it was an honor to have Dave McLaughlin with us at our banquet, and he truly ministered us while he was in our banquet. We had him play in our 9 a.m. service, and he's going to minister to us in our 10.30 service, um, and actually the service that we're in right now. But, um, you know, as I shared earlier this morning in our 9 a.m. service that Dave, we have gone way back with Dave for a very long time. And um, in part of my story that I shared, uh, for those of you that I didn't hear it in the online congregation, I shared a story about Dave as far as being disciplined, um, being faithful, and being having principles. Because of the way things were back then, I use the term back then, not now. That's over 40 years ago. When Dave came a part of the band that I was directing at the time, and we had a big band. You know, we had elders that were part of the band. And, um, but we, we, we laid foundation. Dave was a young man that was playing a saxophone, came on the band, didn't know how to play a note. But Dave was very disciplined. Dave practiced. Dave, the one uh, Sunday I told him to get prepared to do a solo. Um, and the one thing, as, as always, as good leaders, and that's a, a principle that we should follow, if we're going to be examples, or if we're asking someone to do something, make sure we also have the ability to do it. So saying this to say that I know my part, so Dave, I told him to practice the part to do the solo. But because he came to service late that Sunday, I told Dave, uh, I'm sorry, you can't play the solo. Because he came, he told all his friends and everybody, you know, I'm going to play in the solo. Everybody came to watch him perform. But he came late, and unfortunately, I just couldn't have him. Because, you know, um, I've been performing at the time, so I end up have to do the solo. So, um... But Dave, you know, has been faithful in his time. And saying this to say that, that by him being disciplined, I learned from that one mistake. He has always been on time pastor for practices and for services. And that curve him to help them say, listen, in order for me to be successful, I'm going to have to follow instruction. And Dave, I commend him to today, you know, um, looking at his CD, this is uh, number, I think this is um, number fifth, 
he did, I think, four or five or I think six CDs that he has done. And, um, you know, a couple of the, you know, players that he actually played with. I was looking at the CD this morning. He played with a keyboardist that plays for you, Whitney Houston. Um, and, you know, so it, it speaks volume. You know, he travels internationally, live in Canada, uh, originally from Jamaica. But we are honored to have Dave in our midst this morning. Amen. He's going to minister to us. Um, you know, I also made mention that it, not only that, he didn't just leave it like that, but also came around and be a mentor. You know, for the short time that he came by and, and visited us, you know, I had him down to the house um, just for a brief moment yesterday um, after we came by here to church and set up our equipments back to place. And uh, we went down to the house and he was there mentoring to Josiah just to show him a few hits and bits and pieces. But it's always good saying this to say that that we have young men that are in the church don't get weary in your well-doing. You know, you will reap if you faint not. Continue to practice. Continue to show yourself approved. In fact, the scripture said to show this, study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the words of truth. Um, he's very successful because he was only applying himself according to his abilities, his disciplinary actions, and so forth, so on. So I commend Dave for um, for the work that he's doing. And, um, you know, the CDs that he have, he's just asking $15. If you can support the CD, uh, please feel free to support the CD. And for those of you that don't have a CD player anymore, because not many people have CD players anymore. In fact, not most of the newer cars don't even come with CD player, brother Daryl. You know, most of the CD, newer cars don't even come with a CD player. So, but you can still support this ministry either through Amazon or through Apple Music. Those are available through Amazon or Apple Music. So you can also support his um, his music this morning. Amen, amen. So saying this to say that it's offering time, everybody. Amen. Come on, it's offering time. Amen, amen, amen. I like that smile from Josh back there. Amen, amen. I like that. Amen. It's offering time. I want you to be a cheerful giver. Remember, we're still in our building fund project. I'm going to invite you if you can stand with us if you can. We're still in our building fund project. We're still trying to raise 1.5, 1.7 to 2.5 million dollar for our project. And uh, it can be any day now. We're hoping by spring of next year we can move right into a new building. So we want you to be a blessing in whatever small way you can or whatever big way you can. Amen. Uh, the time is not too late if you know any special donors out there where they can make it uh, 2021 right off for their taxes if they want to be uh, a big contributor towards our building fund. Amen. So invite people to be a part of what God is doing in this hour and that we can continue to worship Him. Remember, if you're paying online, you can go to www.mycc.faith. Uh, you can go to PayPal at the uh, at sign Christ Center Church for Cash App. It's the dollar sign CCC 2711. You can see the ushers here this morning, or you can see Sister Patrice or Brother Jordan. And give your tithes and offering. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father God, we love you. We thank you for what you have already done in the service. We give you all the glory, we give you all the honor. We worship you because you're great and greatly to be praised. We thank you for your many blessings, O oh God. As we're about to receive this morning's offering, we ask your blessing upon every giver. Those who have to give and those who have not likewise. Make a way so they too can be a blessing in the house of God. We give you glory and honor. Have your way as we continue to worship you in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. And everybody said amen. 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 Bring your tithes and offering unto the Lord. Amen.
love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. I love to praise him. I love to praise him. Praise him in the morning. Praise him in the evening. Praise him in the noontime. I love to praise him. Oh, glory be to God. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. (laughs) Yes, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We bless your name, Jesus. There is none like you, Jesus. Amen. However you feel like praise him, you can go ahead and praise him. Somebody just praise him with the instrument. Now you can praise him with your clap. You can praise him with your dance. You can praise him with your shout. You can praise him however you want to praise him. But let everything that have breath praise ye the Lord. I love Jesus. I love the Lord. There is none like him. Oh, glory be to God. He's from everlasting to everlasting. He's the Lord of hosts. Great and mighty is his name. Oh, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Nobody can do me like Jesus can. Nobody can treat you like Jesus can. Thank you, Jesus. What an awesome, awesome presence and spirit of the Lord. So glad to have all of you here this morning. So glad to be with you. We thank Brother Dave for traveling across the border to international travel, even though it's 50 minutes, I don't know, hour, 15 minutes, whatever it is, but it's the international travel still. And these travels are not easy because, you know, usually what they say you need a COVID um, test, what is it, um, three days before you travel. And because he's staying with us so short, as soon as he hit um, the ground running here in the States, we had to take him to get a COVID test. So, you know, it's just not easy to travel these days outside of the country. And so we thank God for just allowing him to come and be with us. And we thank God for the privilege of having him. And um, we're so grateful. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Dave. You have been outstanding. You are a gentleman. And um, we always love being around you and love having you around. And we thank God for you. Amen. I thank God for everybody in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. Amen. I I know um, I always say it, you know, sometimes we can take for granted. And I don't know, I'm built a little bit this way. But, you know, I could be having a great time. But it's easy for me to think about those that's not having a great time. I don't know. You know, sometimes you just want to. You know, they like to say, be in the moment, you know, and I try to be in the moment as much as I can. But just this thing in me that made me always be concerned about um, is everybody else having a good time, you know. And so 
Um, you know, during Christmas season, it's easy for us to think, you know, everybody's with family and having a good time. But I know better. I know better. And I know it's not easy for everybody around this time. Um, they say suicide rate go a little bit up during this time, you know, from the Thanksgiving holiday all the way through because everybody don't have the same situation. And so we have to be mindful of that. And that's why it's so important to have Jesus in your life, because you know what? He never changes. He never changes whether we're celebrating holidays or we're not. Jesus never changes. He is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we can depend on Jesus. And so it's very important that we understand that and always trust in him that whatever our situation is, whether we're doing the traditional being with family and everything is good, we're having good meal, we're having family fun and all of that stuff, that's good if that's your situation. Um, but I want for the others that might not have that traditional setting to understand, too, that you can still have a good time in the Lord, but you have to trust in him and know that he's there for you. And you know what? As great as, you know, family is and are, um, the bottom line is, you know, Jesus is the only one that we can truly depend on. That's the one that who we can put our all of our trust in and know that it's going to be all right. So I greet all of you, whether you had what everybody traditionally want to say um, was a great Christmas or whether, you know, you had some struggles, some challenging situations and thoughts. I'm there with you. And I just want you to know Jesus is for you. Don't you ever forget. I will share some things with you this morning as we get into the word of God that will help you to understand. It doesn't matter how you spent your time over the holidays. Jesus is there for you. Somebody say amen. 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 Hallelujah. We have a guest with us this morning, uh, Joshua Buck the third. Amen. Joshua, if you can raise your hand. Amen. Joshua is the third. Hey, Joshua, whether you're loaded or you're not, I'm just going to think you're loaded. Anybody that have the third and all that, Josh, I don't know if you ever experienced that. And once they start getting the third and all that stuff, you're like, loaded. After you pass junior, you know, because a lot of people can do, you know, they can give their son's name and make them junior. But when you get to the third, uh, it means that, you know, you, you're kind of loaded. So, Joshua, whether you're loaded or you're not, you've got that distinctive today. Joshua Buck the third. He's loaded. <laughs> we welcome you to Christ Center Church, my friend. We're so happy you are here with us this morning. And if there's anything at all we can do to assist you in your walk in Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate. Let us know. We're here for you. God established his church so his church can reach the world, minister to the world. And when we get saved, we become a part of his church. And so now it's our duty to now help somebody else to understand and know what we know about Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. God doesn't have a selfish church. If you're selfish, you're not a part of his church. <laughs> if you're self-centered, you're not a part of his church, right? You must be Christ-centered and you must love people and want to see good for them as you have experienced. And so we make sure you love Joshua up and amen. Let him know that you're glad that he's here. Don't ask him for any money. That was all a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, let's stand. We're going to get into the reading of the Word of God. Amen. I greet our online congregation. I love you all. Miss you all. Amen. We had a great Christmas banquet Friday night, didn't we? It was a good time. Good time. Good time. I love to be together. Um, that's that's my speciality. You know, just to 
be around people and have good food. I can do that all day, every day. Be around people and just enjoy good food. I love that. And we were able to do that Friday night. And so that's always a wonderful time. And I thank God for all of you that made it out. Some had to be quarantined because of, you know, our situation. And so for you all that had to be quarantined, I thought about you. For you all that couldn't make it, I thought about you. There's not one person that wasn't at the banquet that I didn't think about. Amen. Even the ones that I know couldn't make it because they're so far away, I thought about them as well. Amen. I think it's a preacher um, thing there that no matter how great everything is, we look for the thing that's not great trying to fix that. (laughs) God help us. I don't know what that's all about, but things could be like, I mean, just wonderful, everything perfect. And all we know is, yeah, but what about that over there? We need to make sure that's okay. It's just one of those things, and maybe that's how God choose his shepherd to shepherd over his flock. I don't know. That's up to him how he does it. Luke chapter 2. Amen. I won't keep you long. We'll get into the word of God, but you have to promise, though, that you will preach with me. Amen. That's what the preachers used to say back in the days. You new schoolers to church, the preacher used to say, are you going to preach with me? And you know what that means? When the preacher says something that is either biblical or something that you can relate to, you're supposed to encourage that. Yes, preacher, that's right. Preach it. I miss Brother Fox. Preach it, Doc. But when the preacher said preach with them, the preacher is saying just just affirm the things that you're hearing that is good. And and when you affirm those things, it helps you as well because you remember it. When you heard something that was so vital and you were like, yes, it stays with you. So preach with me. Don't just listen to me. And while you're preaching with me, give God the praise also. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Old time church, man, sometimes somebody hear a word that's so powerful stays and they just take up, they just take off, run out of their seat and run around the church. You're like, wonder what in the world. But but by that time, we already know that's just how things are. So we're not even thinking what's wrong with them. We just know that's just how it is. When people hear something that helps them, they just take off running and nobody's alarmed by it because we just know the story that they have heard something from God and they are just excited. Amen. And so we don't get alarmed by someone just just running out of their seat and running around the church saying, oh, thank you, Jesus, because you don't know. Sometimes people are praying and asking God for a message, a word, direction. And finally it comes and they're so excited to hear it. They can't contain themselves and they just run. They shout. They cry. They do all kinds of things just to respond to saying, God, you heard my plea and my cry. And man, you gave me a word. So I thank you. So just feel free to understand that's how the church is supposed to operate. You're not disturbing me, but you are responding to God. That's what this is all about. Luke chapter two, verse number eight, the word of the Lord says, and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David 
a savior, which is Christ the Lord. Can I tell you this? That verse, the scripture that I just read, I did not learn that in church. I learned that in school growing up. I can recite that like the back of my hand. I learned that in school. I'm telling you, I don't know what we, we have no clue what we're missing out on by taking religious education and prayer and Bible reading out of school. We missed it. We, we, we blew it by doing that. We have no clue what we did when we said, you can't do this in school anymore. You can't do that in school because the Bible says, hide the word of God in your heart that you might not sin against thee. And then the Bible says, train up a child in the way they must go. And when they're old, they will not depart from it. When we get the word of God in our heart, no matter how crazy we might get, the word can remind us who God is and what we need to do. But because we're not giving them the word every place, we are just messed up because for what about the people that don't come to church? Guess what? They go to school. You see how messed up we, we we don't even see ourselves how we just went astray. There are people that don't go to church, but if our schools were still teaching the word of God, if our schools were still letting people read the Bible and pray, guess what? That word can get in there and sooner or later they'll go find a church. Man, we missed, we missed that. I don't know what we did when we decided to just, oh boy. Verse 13, and suddenly there was with the angel, uh, no, 12, 12. And this shall be a sign unto you. What shall be a sign unto you? Ye shall find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, here we go, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them in heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord had made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all things, all these things, and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherd returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. There is so much in all of the texts here to just pull out and to just begin to ponder and to begin to say, how can I apply that in my life? When you read the Bible, the word of God, you ought to pull some things out. God will allow some things to jump out at you and you ought to say, God, how can I apply this in my life? God, how can I take this and make it work? And how can I live this thing out? Don't just read the Bible as you read the sports page. Don't just read the Bible as you read any book. Don't just read the Bible like you read any kind of information for your school or your job. But read the Bible to say, what is it saying to me and how can I take what it's saying and apply to my life? God didn't give us the Bible just for us to read it and make it sound good to us. God didn't give us his word just so we can say, oh, you know, I know the word of God. No, God gave it to us so we can take it and apply it in our life so we can live it out. 
It is God's will that you have great success as an individual. It is God's desire that you be the best version of yourself that you can be. But the only way you can is by his word. And so he gave us his word so we can be the best version of ourselves. He gave us his word so we can be the most successful we can be. But we can only do that by obeying, applying the word of God. The word of God cannot just be information lodged in our brain. We got to get past that. We don't have to need, we don't need to brag. As a matter of fact, something interesting now, I'll tell you this, for those of you that like information, there were, there were times in life where when you had information and you felt like you had information that others didn't have, as a matter of fact, I can take that even further. There was a time where I remember how business uh, uh, folks uh, ran their corporation and how corporation was ran some years ago, it was who had the most information, who had the the, 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 the deepest information. And guess what they did, how they managed co- corporations? They don't tell people everything. They control the masses of their corporation and how they led by withholding information. Information was the key that they used to, to be leaders and, and, and to be the ones to oversee companies so they could be paid the big bucks. Because they knew more than the next person. And people didn't share information. Why? Because if I share it with you, you're going to become just like me and you can take my job. That's how we used to do things. But guess what? A thing named Google was created. And so now you don't have, you can't brag and you can't hide information. So for those of us that are still living in the past and thinking that as long as I've got information, I'm good. You're living in the past. Now, you have to apply information. And when you apply it, it will give the results that it is supposed to give. And we got to make sure we understand if we're going to be what Jesus says we need to be, we have to apply what he has given us. If you're not applying the word of God, you're just existing. You have not yet begun to fulfill your purpose If you're not obeying the word of God, if you're not applying the word of God to your life, you're living outside of your purpose right now. You're just existing. I I, I just could not. Once I come to the knowledge of understanding what God expects of me and gave me his word, I can't live any more of my life just existing. And when you're not seeking purpose and living in purpose, you're just existing. Hmm. I want to talk to you today on this topic after the revelation, after the revelation. Father, have your way. You've already moved and you have already touched us in a special way. Now, Lord, I ask, oh God, that we will become doers and we will apply what you have spoken and what you have revealed to us. That, Lord God, we will seek our purpose or walk in our purpose, fulfill our purpose, Lord God. We just don't want to exist, Lord. We just don't want to say we know stuff, Lord. But what we want to do is live out 
the things that you have given to us is to do what you've spoken to us, Lord God, is to go as you have commanded us, Lord God, is to fulfill that which you have commanded us to fulfill. Lord, as we go into a new year, I pray, oh God, that we will go to a new dimension in you, not just in words, but in deeds as well, Lord God, and taking, oh God, what's rightfully ours in doing what you have commanded us to do. And oh God, that we will live that life of life abundant, of being successful and being in you. Oh God, I pray that you will speak that you will help us, and that more than anything else, the Holy Ghost will move us. The Holy Ghost will overshadow us. The Holy Ghost will set us free. The Holy Ghost will save us. The Holy Ghost will restore us. The Holy Ghost will revive us. The Holy Ghost will open our eyes. The Holy Ghost will unstop our ears. The Holy Ghost, oh God, will lift us and empower us. Have your way today, sweet Jesus, as we give you the praise and the honor, for there is none like you. All these things we pray, in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. Let's clap our hands onto the Lord. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. We just read the occurrences that led up to the birth of Jesus Christ and what happened after it was now revealed of the birth, after it was confirmed. We, we read those events in Luke 2. And there's a lot that we can pull out of that. There's a lot that we can hold on to, search out a little bit more, apply to our life. But I'm probably going to bring most of most of all to your attention after the revelation after the revelation that's important to me to uh, to to communicate to you today because today is december 26 it's day after the day that we oh my goodness we hustle and bustle and we do all that we can in leading up to that day. And that day has come and gone. That day has come and gone. So we can't talk about, yes, we can talk about, which I will, but, but, but we have to really focus on now that the time has come, the revelation we have experienced, what next? Where do we go from here? What, we, what do we do? It was interesting how the Bible points out that shepherds were the ones that first received the news of this birth. It's interesting. Because shepherds were socially looked down upon. In Jesus' day. Their work of being a shepherd made them ceremonially unclean. And they had a reputation for being, ready for this, untrustworthy. Shepherds. Mm -hmm. 
When shepherds left the field to come into the town, you hide your stuff from them. Mm-hmm. That's the main thing they said about shepherds. They'll steal your stuff in a second. Because they spend so much time out in the field that whatever they can steal when they come out of the field, they want to take it back to the field. So when the shepherds come out, watch your stuff. That's what they said anyway. Uh-huh. However, God first revealed the gospel to shepherds. <laughs> Don't you just love how we're so the opposite? I can't even say opposite because there's no opposite to God. But I, but I just love how we have our perspectives and, and we just think we know and, and, and we've seen enough to say I could make a declaration. I, I know exactly what this is all about. Do you? Do you? We love to treat this life like we have it figured out. Do you? Because what I know is the almighty God always take what we think we know and make it into something that we realize we don't know. (laughs) And so what people thought of shepherds, God said, let me show you something. And so he revealed to shepherds first. Of his birth. Lowly shepherds. The ones. Who are looked down upon. The ones who society think is kind of beneath them. The ones who society said they're so untrustworthy. Watch your stuff when they come around. Those ones. Those are the ones that God says, I'm going to reveal my birth to them first. What a God. God tends to take special interest in the lowly like no one else does. You and I, we going about our business and we see someone that seems to not be on the same status. Like we are, we take our time or we quickly go by them. They're not on our level. They're not of the same social status as I am. And so we, we, we treat those that are not like us like outcasts, shepherds. We treat people that are not like us like they're unworthy. <laughs> and so we just go about our ways and do our thing and we're not paying them any mind because they're not on our Social status. But yet Jesus, he decided, I'm going to reveal my birth to them first. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're here today living for God, trying to live for God because of the ones that were rejected, the ones who were outcasts, the ones who people thought was beneath them. We're here today because it was revealed to them and they didn't keep it to themselves. I remember lady prostitute by the name of Rahab. Mm-hmm. Why is it? It's the ones that we look down upon. It's the ones 
the social status level as most. Why is it those are the ones that seems to always respond the right way to God? Why those of us that have nice jobs and nice homes and we got good money in the bank and living good and driving nice cars, why is it we, when we hear it, we say, well, that's pretty good, but we just keep on going about our business, doing what we know how to do, enjoying what we like to enjoy. Why is it that we do that, but the ones that everybody disregard, when they hear it, they say, tell me more, show me. You know, when God says it's hard for a rich man to go to heaven, you know why he said that? He said it's hard for a rich man to go to heaven because you become busy with your riches. You become busy maintaining your riches. So whatever you've got, you're trying to do everything you can to keep it, which means God can't be first in your life. That's why it's not saying it's impossible for a rich man to get to heaven. It's just saying that it's hard because you have to keep doing what you did to maintain your riches. And so God is saying, if you got this and you got that, that's more for you to worry about. God have this thing about shepherds. Mm-hmm. David, of course, had been a shepherd, a lonely outcast, one of those that are considered low. If you remember, when the man of God went to Jesse's house, David's dad, to anoint David as king, when he walked up in the house and he looked around, all of David's brother and father was in the house, and the prophet said, okay, 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 okay. The prophet hearing from God. <laughs> Y'all can sleep on the man of God all you want. But the prophet hearing from God, and he looked around, he says nicely. You know, sometimes when you, when you know you're hearing from God, you just act a little foolish sometimes. I, think, I, I like to act like I don't know when I'm hearing from God. Huh? Because, because, because you know you're hearing from God. And so the prophet knew he was hearing from God. And he looked around, and he said it all nonchalantly. Do you have another son? He knew we had another son, right? Because God is telling him that. But he didn't say, you got another son, go get him. No, 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 no. The prophet said, do you have another son? The man said, yeah. His name is David. He's out in the field. Then the prophet said, all right, well, go get him. Messed them all up. All the social you know, the, 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 the ones that have good social status, that they don't go into the field, that, that they, they're always rolling around with dad, they're around the house, they, you know, they dress a little different because they don't have to take care of those, shit, those sheep. They, they look different. And so now they're doing their thing, and all of a sudden now God rolling and says, give me the one that nobody's paying attention to. <laughs> Whew, church. There's so much lesson to learn from that. There's so much to learn from that. When it comes down to God, all you want to do is just do what God wants you to do. Doesn't matter what anybody think of the job. 
if, if you go to church, you know, this is why I, I can't get over the story of, of what Brother Scarlett told about Brother Dave when Brother Dave came to the church. I can just picture Brother Dave. He didn't tell me this, but I just know how we are as human. And Brother Dave, you know, was told he's going to play a solo. You see how he was this morning, how he just, he know how to play his thing. And, and, and they told him, you're going to play a solo. And you know how we are. Hey, yo, you don't go to church. I know you don't be coming to church a lot, but I want you to come to church this Sunday. Listen, if you come to church this Sunday, you get ready to see something you ain't never seen. I don't know Dave used to tell people to come to church because the pastor preaching the word. But that day, Dave told people to come to church. You need to come to church. And Dave was ready. As a matter of fact, Dave must have spent so much time telling people to come to church. That's why he was late. And so Dave told everybody to come to church. So he came in late. And Brother Scarlett said, listen, I know I told you you were going to. Play a solo, but you're not playing. You're late. And, 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 and probably Dave, the devil probably told Dave. This is what the devil probably told Dave. He ain't even right. He wanted to play that solo all along. He wanted to play that solo all along. And my little bit of five minutes being late, he used that to sit me down. Oh, man, I'm telling you. But the devil is a liar. Over 40 years later, they still playing. Him and Brother Scarlett, good friends. The devil is a liar. But if you're not careful, the devil can steal your joy. The devil can steal your purpose. You got to trust God. And here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. Don't get upset when you get your toes stepped on. Oh, give me some amens with that. Don't get upset when you, I, I told them this morning, I said, it couldn't be today. If, 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 the, if, the, if the band leader or the pastor tell you something that you don't like and kind of put some checks on you, you're going to find another church. Oh, I ain't going to that church. They ain't going to be telling me what to do. When are we going to believe that the man of God that God has chosen to lead that congregation is hearing from God and whatever he does, he's a representation of God. And if I just do what I'm supposed to do and follow the instructions I'm supposed to follow, God's going to bless me. Listen, I told you this church before. I've proven this for myself, Rayon. That the man of God can tell me something that might not be accurate, but if I obey it because I am so pure in my heart in saying, God, you have given me a man of God to lead me. I'm going to follow that man of God. In my sincerity, in my purity, in my honesty and righteousness of wanting to follow what's right, even when the man is wrong, God is still going to look me out. You never thought about that. I've lived that. So I'm not asking you. I'm not trying to get, stretch anything. I'm telling you, when you live right and you do right, and if you decide that you're going to follow what the man of God is telling you, but, 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 but the man of God could be off. I don't know. Maybe he just was off that day. Whatever the case may be, his mind was preoccupied. Whatever it is, he was off that day. God still takes care of you. God's not going to let you pay for somebody else's wrong when you're doing right. No, 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 no. And so God will use shepherds, even though man don't see where they should use shepherd. Consequently, these shepherds represent all people of lowly origin and reputation. 
Who received the gospel by God's grace and proclaimed it joyfully? These shepherds, God was showing us what grace was all about. God showed us that they didn't deserve him coming and making them the first ear. But he did it anyhow. We twist grace up and not realize what grace is. Grace is God giving us opportunity and revelation of who he is so we can know. But you still have to do it. So grace is God giving you something you didn't earn or you don't deserve. But you still got to do something with it. Still got to do something with it. But some people think grace means I can just live anyhow I want, do whatever I want, and God is gracious and he will always forgive me. You don't understand. Here's something. Brother Tom, God can forgive us. But because of how much we got entangled with our stuff, we might not get out. (laughs) Another angle to think about. God's grace will always be available to us until the rapture comes. But the deal is, sometimes we're so entangled, we're so consumed, we're so controlled by our wrong and by our sin that God is saying, I forgive you if you come to me, but we're so messed up that we don't even go. We can't even go to God because we're so entangled. Because we have told ourselves that, oh, God will forgive you no matter what you do. That's true. But what you got to understand is you can find yourself in a place where you can't get out of it. It's not about God forgiving you because he will. He's ready to forgive you. He's ready to deliver you. But you might not be aware that you need to get out. What did I tell you the other day? The prodigal son says, the Bible says the prodigal son came to himself. You know what it means? He wasn't wasn't in his right mind all the time. All the time he was spending his money, having a good time, he wasn't in his right mind. You can be out of your mind and not know that you're out of your mind. You out of your mind and think that you're in your mind. Let me just help you real quick. Until you come to recognize who God is and begin to serve him, you're not in your right mind. Woo, preacher, you can't say that to me, preacher. Well, I'm telling you, the prodigal son, he never got into his right mind until he started thinking about his daddy. And his daddy represents the almighty God. When he started thinking about his daddy, he said, there are servants in my daddy's house that live better than I'm living right now. I got to go to my daddy's house. I got to go home to my daddy. So not until you see Jesus and begin to obey Jesus, you're not in your right mind. Listen, many times I hear people talking, and I talk with you, but I'm just sitting back in the cut while I'm talking to you, because in my mind, I know, until you embrace God's word, until you decide to start doing what God says, we're just talking. We're just talking. Until you says, all right, God. I got I got your word. Grace has come to me. And now I'm going to do what you want me to do. Until you get to that place, we're just talking. We're just passing the time. We're just saying some stuff. The Bible says in Ephesians 2 and 8, 
For by grace are ye saved through faith. And that, and that not of works. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The grace of God appears to all men, all people. But when the grace of God appear, if you don't respond in faith, you missed it. I'm trying to get us to get to a place, church, where we will not just hear the word of God, but we will become doers of the word of God. We're hearing the word of God on every level, on every platform, whether it's, man, we've we've got audio Bible reading now. If you want to hear the Bible, you can just hit audio, some download some app and play it, and you can hear the Bible read to you audibly. You can read the Bible yourself out loud and hear it. You can get on the internet and hear preaching all over. You can come to this church or any church around. You'll hear preaching. So we're hearing the word of God. Grace has appeared unto us, but do we respond to it in faith? Because not until we start responding to the word of God by faith has the grace served its purpose in our life. So grace don't mean, oh, I'm saved because I believe. Grace means I acknowledge that God has revealed himself to me. And now I will respond in faith by obeying his plan of salvation for my life. And continue to live the way I'm supposed to live according to his word. That's what grace is all about. Grace is not, I just live anyhow I want and God is good. You have no clue how selfish that is. Since God is so good, I can do whatever I want. And he's going to forgive me. At some point... It is God's will that when we get saved, we become an example. In case y'all missed that. You're saved to be an example. It's wonderful when someone knows how you used to be, and now you're not that person. You're not like that anymore. That is so wonderful. It's great when someone comes inside the church building, and they don't know who Christ is, and they don't know what worship is. They don't know anything about anything, but you become this example. A model example. And whatever you do, they're now able to see. Okay. Okay. Did you think about that? Do you think about that when you come in the house of the Lord? That you are an example to somebody? Whether you want it or not. Whether you care or not. You are an example to someone. And that's why it's important that every time we come in the house of God, we act like we are the children of God. Because somebody that's going to come in that door, they're not the child of God. And they want to become the child of God. And they need an example of someone to look at to say, how do I become a child of God? What does it look like when I become a child? God so for you to ever live a Christian life however you want that is not a Christian life you've been called to be an example you've been called to be Christ like not to do whatever you want because God is good (laughs) here's a tough one God's blessings and provisions seem to make us a lot more reserved, a lot more controlled, and slow to share 
his goodness with others. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, I'm not going to use that example. But I've seen it. I've seen it. I've been in church services where people that probably God pulled out of a bad situation and they're not quite where God has taken them yet. You know, they got pulled out of the situation and they're glad and they're thankful. When they come to church, they run around. Thank you, Lord. Oh, I bless your name, Jesus. Jesus, you're great and you're wonderful. And they're dancing and they're singing and they're praising and they're shouting. And those of you that's been living for God for a little bit and you bless you, why don't they just sit down? They're disrupting me from hearing the preacher. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Because you don't know how to handle God's goodness. You don't know how to handle God's blessing. Because you think now that God has blessed you and your status to you has come up a notch. Now you figure, ooh, I need to act like those people that are on that same status. And God is like sitting there like, are you kidding me? As my children, yeah, these things are available to you. You get these things. But that doesn't mean that you stop being an example. That doesn't mean that you don't tell people about me. That doesn't mean that you don't keep praising and, 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 and magnifying my name. But we, we, we don't do that. And so I said this morning, God is in a conundrum. And I say that um, tongue in cheek because God can't be in no conundrum. But the problem is God has to see it and he knows it that when he does for most of us not all of us when he, when he does good for all of for most of us we tend to forget about him a little bit we tend to just enjoy the goodness of what he's given to us as opposed to enjoying him who is the one that gave us what we got we tend to just be enjoying it and kind of ignoring and not doing what we're supposed to do that's a fact most of the time you're hearing from me you're going to hear the word of god or hear from my experiences And that's an experience that I know about. That's an experience that I know about that when God bless people and they come up a few levels and come up a few notch, they start living a certain kind of way. Yep. I drove nice car before I got saved. And then when I started to get saved, I had to put my focus where it needed to go and and stop working a hundred jobs to just have all that I want. And so I started to have to drive regular cars. Toyota Camry that gets me going. Nothing ever going wrong with not new, not new Toyota Camry, just regular Toyota Camry, used. And for many years, used. And then all of a sudden, you know, God started blessing me because I'm faithful to him. He's not going to let you, what the Bible says, God will owe no man nothing. That's a heavy statement that God says. And you know what that means in some ways? When you serve me, I'm not paying you to serve me, but I'm going to make you know that I'm going to take care of you while you're serving me. That's what he's saying. I'm going to take care of you while you're serving me. And so while you're serving God, he, he gives you things. And, and, but now it's really a test now. When he gives you these things, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? God gave me a nice car. What am I supposed to do? Tell Brother Scarlett, Brother Henry, the ministers around and tell them, hey, fellas, me and my wife are going to take a nice drive to the coast. Sunday morning. We're going to take a nice drive to the coast. Why? I got a nice car. 
I mean, I got all the stuff in my car. What are you talking about? We got to take a nice drive, Tom. We got to enjoy this car. That's what some people do. Yeah. That's what some people do. Instead of, instead of just appreciating the, the, the stuff that God bless you with and keep your focus on him, you just worried about the stuff. And that's why I said God is in a conundrum. He's not literally, but I'm saying it because I see it all the time where we have stuff and the stuff is like the stuff weighs us down. We can't praise God. We come to church and we ain't ready to shout. We come to church and we can't dance. We come to church and we can't lift our hands. We come to church and we don't want to open our mouth and say, Lord, I praise you. Lord, I thank you. We don't want to come to church and look like an idiot, get our hair messed up and get ourselves all messed up. We don't want to do that because God has been good to us. I don't know how the two go together, but because God has been good to me, Shauna, I'm going to look like an idiot and a fool when I'm in the house of God because God has been good to me. Come on, somebody of God has been good to you. Give him some praise. Give him some praise. Don't let the shepherds outdo you. My God, when the greatest event in history occurred, in case you missed it, the greatest event in history is the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, you got to understand why it's the greatest event ever. Because the almighty God, where all things consist in him, you got to hear me good. The almighty God, where all things consist in him, that could not be seen. He said, I'm going to manifest myself as one of you so you can see me. This is not a separate person. This is not something that's apart from him. He became like us. That is the greatest event in history that almighty God became a man. And he didn't just go pow and just became a big grown human. He went through the whole process. He went through the whole process. As we like to say, almighty God became Y chromosome. That's over your head. I just had to give you some. You know, every once in a while, I got to hit you and let you know. We got some knowledge. We're just not idiots as Christians. We got some knowledge. But if you want to go research that, go research that. How almighty God became Y chromosome. Because as you know, it's the Y that makes the child a male. And so the X came from the woman. But the Y had to come from God. So God became Y chromosome. It's okay. I got this. Don't worry. When you understand that, you understand that this is the greatest event that has ever happened to this world where Almighty God became man and dwelt among us and was our sacrifice, our salvation. Everything that we need is in him and he came and manifested. Not talk about it. You didn't have to hear about it, but he came and he revealed it. It's the greatest thing that could ever happen to mankind is God becoming human. Human. My God, my God, my God. A hallelujah. A hallelujah. Let me tell you something. Don't water down that. 
because it's the greatest thing that ever happened to man. And we're watering it down trying to say, well, you know, Jesus always existed. You water it down what God did. It wouldn't be a great thing if that's what happened. The greatest thing that happened is the almighty God who was invisible and could not be seen and everything consists in him and nothing can get close to him. He became human. Don't water that down. Don't water that down because then it won't be the greatest thing ever happened. Don't water it down. We're trying to water that down. Don't water that down. Jesus Christ, almighty God manifest in flesh. This is why he says in 1 Corinthians 1 and 25, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weaknesses of God is stronger than men. For ye see your calling. Look at your calling, brethren, how that not many wise. He said not many. He didn't say there weren't some. He says not many wise men after the flesh, being all you smart people, not many smart people after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Because when you get so smart, you're full of yourself. When you get so smart, the things of God becomes foolishness to you. And so he don't even bother with you. So if you want to just keep on being smart, you're going to miss out on God. Because God has chose the foolish things to make things right with him. I've got good news for you, church. Got good news for you. Jesus comes to all type of people. <laughs> There's not one kind of person that exists in this world that has to worry. <laughs> Jesus comes to all type of people, including the regular plain Jane people. He comes to the ordinary people. He comes to the outcast in society. He comes to those who are hurting. He comes to those who are downtrodden. He comes to those who don't know him that are ignorant. But God will come to all because it's the will of God that all be saved and none will perish you don't have to worry about your status and thinking he's going to overlook you because of your status whether it's because you're poor or whether it's because you're rich he will not overlook your status because he will come to all people the grace of God had appeared unto all men not some men all men Whoever you are, whatever you're doing, you can have Jesus in your life. Don't think that you need an extraordinary qualification. Jesus accepts you as you are, but he will not leave you as you are. Some people want Jesus to find them, but then they don't want God to work through them and change them. They want to be found, but they don't want to be changed. The only reason why Jesus come for you. Is because you need him. He says, the sick needs a physician. If you think you're good and you're not sick, guess what? You don't need a physician. And that's the only disqualification for not receiving Christ or for him not to come to you. Is for you thinking that you don't need him. If you don't think you need him, then there's no need for him to come. And that's why a lot of people are struggling because they don't think they need Christ. Listen, they might, they might think it that they, don't, that, that they need him. They might say it that they need him. But again, we back to that same thing. Do their life say that they need him? 
When you come to church, do you worship him? When you come to church, do you seek him? When you come to church, do you pray to him? Do you act like you need him or you act like you're okay? That, that's what it comes down to. Because God will come if we want him to come, if we need him. I'm closing up here. I want you to look at this. Very important. Luke in, in the same Luke chapter 2 verse 15. And it came to pass as the angel were gone away from them into heaven. The shepherds said one to another. Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord had made known unto us. Church, when the angel first come, angel singular came, he gave the message. And then when the message was delivered, then all of a sudden the Bible says a host of heaven also came and they worshiped. Now, when the message came, the shepherds could have sat there by themselves. And started getting intellectual. So what you think about that? Man, that's heavy, ain't it? You really think that's happening? You think they were real angels anyway? I know lights, you know, like, like you know, something happened. I know something happened. But you think they were real angels? Man. So what y'all think? They could have sat there and reasoned within themselves and never moved. Which is what a lot of us do. We hear the word of God and we sit around and we let we ponder it. We ponder it. We even know sometimes God is speaking directly to us. And, and then the devil tell us all kind of stuff and then we just put it to the side. But church, when you hear the word of God, go and go seek and search it out. Go and go affirm it. Go and see if what you heard is accurate. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Sometimes, because of our laziness, we blame other people for what's wrong in our life. Laziness. I've seen it where if something, just say the place where you are, Something has gone really wrong, and God is saying, I'm going to direct you someplace else. God can do that, and because you don't want to change how you have governed yourself, you stay where you are, and you don't listen to God. Mm -hmm. I've seen it where God has spoken to people in the congregation through the word of God, and because you don't want to change how you do your stuff, you just kind of leave it alone. And that's really what happens to a lot of us a lot of times. Laziness have prevented us from being blessed. Laziness have prevented us from growing up in God. Laziness has hindered us from being the best version of ourselves because when we hear and God is telling us what we need to do and all we need to do is just get up and go and do what the word says and we will begin to see the transformation and the power of God manifest in our life. We will see it, but the problem is we said, but that's going to make me do something different. That's going to make me do something I normally don't do. And as soon as you can get to the place of realizing that what the word is having you and commanding you to do is something that you normally don't do, you leave it right there. Right there. You leave it right there. The only way it seems like the word of God worked for us it, is when it flows in our routine. 
So if what God is saying kind of coincide with what I do usually, okay, then I'll do that. But if what God is saying is, is outside of my routine, outside of my way of conducting my life, then that's good, but I don't know if I can do that. And I'm here to tell you, church, there is nothing that God says that's small. That's, there's nothing that God says is small. I might say something and it's small. You might say something and nothing God says is like small and it's no big deal. Everything God says is a big deal. Because if you come to know God, you realize he doesn't waste time. He doesn't waste effort. Everything he says and does, it has a meaning. God is intentional. This is why I pray all the time. I say, God, I want my day to be intentional. Just like you are intentional, Lord, order my step that I will be intentional in the things I say, in the things I do, in the places I go, in the things I read. I want to be intentional in how I treat people because you, Lord, there is nothing that you do that is unintentional. Everything God does is intentional. So don't you ever overlook anything God says and say, eh, that's not that big of a deal. Everything God does is intentional. Once the shepherds received the word, they immediately went and inquired about it. They went to confirm it. They, when they receive it, they said, we have to go and see about this. We have to go and see about this once they heard it. To confirm the word, one must encounter the word. An encounter with the word will change your thought. It will change your heart. It will change your walk if you will really go and see about the word. Whenever you have a spiritual experience with God, you cannot help but to share that thing. Some of us need to pray. God, maybe I allow my spiritual encounter with you to escape me. Can you give me a new encounter with you so that one don't escape me? Can you give me a real experience? Give me a new encounter with you, Lord. And I don't want that one to escape me because God, somehow I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. Somehow I'm I'm not living the way I'm supposed to live. Somehow I'm not fulfilling my purpose the way I'm supposed to. So God, somehow the first experience that I had with you is somehow it's not it's not reverberating. It's not lasting. It's not it's not still present to me. So how about God you give me a new experience that will always be present so I don't live just any kind of way that I will always live according to your will. How about we pray that, church? How about we pray that? Because if you get a real supernatural experience with God, you will begin to live differently. When you get a supernatural experience with God, you know that God had spoken to me or I had an encounter with God. So I got to keep going. There are some times when you want to give up on stuff. But if you had a real encounter, you say to yourself, God is not a man that he should lie. And I get, I receive an encounter. I had an encounter with him. I'm going to keep on going. Sometimes you're not going to feel like keep on going. Sometimes you're not going to believe that it was God that you heard from. But I'm here to tell you, once you get a word from God, don't let it go and keep bringing it before God to say, God, this is your word. You are the one that got me to this point. You're the one that spoke this to me. God, I bring it before you. I don't understand what's going on. I'm concerned because I don't feel like what you said is going to happen. Bring it before God. 
Bring it before God. When we tell everything that we've experienced with God, it reaffirms what we've experienced with God. See, a lot of times people get experienced and because they don't tell of it a lot, they get to the place where they start doubting. They get to the place where they start guessing. Why? Because you didn't say it enough. You didn't repeat it. You didn't live it. You didn't, you didn't share it. And because you didn't, it escaped you. Telling all you know, these shepherds told everyone who would listen all that they had heard and seen. Often people who try to tell all that they know are politely avoided. And so I come to you today to say you sometimes have stopped short of telling what you've experienced because you are afraid to be rejected. You ready for this one? I don't know what the scripture is for this. So this is a Wayneism. If you live your life for Christ and never get rejected, you will never be where Christ is. Well, why are you going to say that, Wayne? Because he was rejected. And if you're going to be with him, you're going to have to be rejected. So you might as well deal with the inevitable. You're going to be rejected. You're going to be rejected. Living for God will cause you to be rejected. Living for God will cause people to talk about you. Living for God will make people say, who do you think you are? Living for God will make people look down at you. You're going to be rejected living for God. So stop trying not to be rejected. And if you live your life and never get rejected, I promise you, you will never be where the Messiah is who was rejected by his very own. There's no way I cannot see it possible that I can be a Christian. And if I never get rejected as a Christian, then I'm going to be with him who established all of this for me. So get used to being rejected. Don't make don't let rejection get you all worked up and get you all upset and make you feel like you got to do something different. Rejection and offense is part of it. You can't live for God without being rejected. You will never exist in this world without being offended. Stop trying to run from it. Just deal with it. And when you have Christ, you can do all things. This is why he came. This is why he was born. He was born so you can see how he lived. He was born so you can see how he was rejected. He was born so you can see that whatever you will have an issue with, you will know he overcame it. So you can overcome it. That's what he showed you. Because he overcame it, you can overcome it. You want to hear another little heavy stuff? Jesus Christ was almighty God and human real human at the same time he wasn't a god human he was god and human at the same time and the reason why that is is he didn't take any advantage to live righteous and holy and without sin he didn't get an advantage for that because that's what some people are preaching and teaching that well he was god so he didn't okay okay you know we we like to look for reasons to keep doing what we do because that's what we do Look for reasons to keep doing. Well, he was God, so that's why he never sinned. No, he lived as human and never sinned. 
And none of us can do that. None of us did that. And that's why he was a sinless lamb slain for our sin. Because when he looked for a man to stand in the gap, he found none. Nobody was able to do it. But he came as one of us to say, I am going to be the representation. I will be that human that will live in this world and not sin. And be the sinless lamb, unblemished, and save your soul. Heavy. The man is heavy. The man is heavy. He didn't take on no advantage to do this. He didn't come here and say, watch, I'm going to overcome the world. I'm going to use my God powers to overcome the world. No, he didn't use his God powers. He lived as human and overcame this world. And if he overcame it, you and me, we can overcome this world too. Let's stand. He didn't live with a built-in advantage, church. He lived as human. He lived as human. Let me tell you something. Shepherds were not supposed to know a whole lot. Some of us have gotten saved. We were nobody to nobody. And now that we're saved, some people are talking about, what do you know? What are you trying to tell me? And so shepherds were not supposed to know a whole lot about anything. But let me tell you something. The message that came to the shepherds, guess what? It was revolutionary. The message that came to the shepherds were breathtaking. The message that came to the shepherds were transformative. It changed the lives of those who listened when the shepherds spoke. And so if you will speak the word of God, if you will speak about your experiences, the people that you encounter, they, somebody, sooner or later, their life will be transformed. Their life will not be the same because you're speaking the word of God. The shepherds spoke from the heart and their words connected to the deepest needs of others. You see, when regular people speak, everybody can relate. But when people speak that got it going on, we dismiss them because we say, you don't understand. You don't understand. And so there's many reasons why God chose shepherds instead of going into the governor's mansion. There's a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons is you're going to listen to an ordinary person. The shepherds return, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. As it had been told them, the shepherds had to get back to the field before their sheep wandered off into the night. So they returned, but as they did so, they were glorifying and praising God. So church, after the revelation, everybody celebrated Christmas all the way up to yesterday. And their celebration was for so many other different reasons other than the Savior being born. That's fine. I'm not knocking anybody for it. Because most of our celebrations, I think, is good. Family, eating, celebration, you know, just hanging, playing games, you know, whatever you do to just, you know, do something good. I think we do for the most part. But what I want to bring to your attention is Christmas has come and went. And so now you're still here. You're still living. Life still goes on. This is why it's so important to know the Savior. Because the Savior is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so I want you to understand that Christmas has come and gone. The birth of Jesus Christ has come and gone. But the bottom line is, what are we doing afterwards? 
when the day has come and gone, now how do we live? How do we proceed? How do we conduct our lives every day, even after the birth? And so while everything has come and gone, somebody said this morning, New Year's is coming. That's going to come and go. But after the revelation, after you have received the understanding, the revelation, after God has made known unto you who he is and why he came and what he can do for you, after you know that, then what? Then what? Do you go on like the birth never happened? Do you go on like... All of this celebration, all of this Christmas thing never happened. Or do you say, God, you gave your life for me. And you didn't give it for me just for me to celebrate your birth. But you gave it to me that I may have eternal life and have real relationship with you. Everything has come and gone. Everything will come and go. After all the celebrations of receiving and giving of gifts, after all the celebration of being with family, loved ones, enjoying food and having fun, we must continue to worship and praise the King of Kings, to worship and praise the Lord of Lords, to live like he born and he still lived today. He is born and then die and don't exist anymore. He was born and he lived forever. And so if he's still living, we're supposed to still be praising. If he's still living, we're supposed to still be worshiping. If he's still living, we're supposed to still live a life that is pleasing unto him. If he's still living, then why should we stop celebrating? If he's still living, we don't need to stop because Christmas came and went. If he's still living, we don't need to stop because the new year came and go. We need to keep on doing what we're supposed to do, which is praise the Lord, which is to worship him. Oh, God, I saw a post the other day that is so awesome. We know the Bible talked about. When Herod found out about Jesus, you know, he tried to kill him and all of that stuff. And I saw a post the other day, Sister Weber. She's, she's shocked, man. That lady's shocked. She know her word. And Sister Weber posted the other day that truth will always prevail. Y'all just got the service. I'm getting ready to go a little deep for you. Jesus is the way, the truth. You can't kill truth. Herod tried to kill truth. Herod tried to stop truth. Herod tried to make sure truth didn't prevail. But truth is a person and not a thing. Truth is a person and not a figment of your imagination or not a thought. Truth is Jesus. And when Jesus came, he he revealed so many things. When Jesus came, he manifested so many things. And one of the things he realized, he showed us was truth will always prevail. Because I am truth. And I don't care what Herod tried to do. He sent wise men after me to try to come back and report to him about where I was so he can come and kill me. But you can't kill truth. Every once in a while, truth will stay silent. But you can't stop truth. Jesus is the truth. 
And in this season of celebration, we need to be thankful that we know truth and truth will never die and truth will continue to reign. And all we got to do is get on board with truth because Jesus is truth. We don't need to stop celebrating the revelation. We don't need to just do like everybody else is going to do. The gifts are going to get regular. The monies are going to be spent. The food is going to be eaten and thrown away what we don't eat. And life continued to go on. But if you want to live a successful life and to live in a constant state of celebration, then you need to always remember the revelation that God revealed himself as man and he sits on the throne and he still reigns and he's still doing great things. Come on, let's thank the Lord today. Father, we thank you. We praise your holy name. For there is none like you, O great God. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Oh God, we praise you and magnify your name, Lord God. And we will continue to celebrate you. We will continue to praise you. We will continue, Lord God, to honor you and to share you with others. Those that don't know you, Lord, we will share you with them, Lord God. Because, Lord, you are the way, the truth, and the life. Because, Lord, you are he that was dead. Oh God, and now is alive and have the keys to heaven and hell. Oh, God, I pray today that the people of God will hear your word and become doers of your word and not reject the word and not ignore the word. But, Lord, from this day on, we will take hold of the word and begin to do what the word says in the name of Jesus Christ. Somebody hear me today and truly trust the Lord and obey his word if you've never given your life to God you need to give your life to God and let him take care of you oh if you're hurting this morning this afternoon if you're distressed if you're downtrodden if you're hurting God can do a work in your life God can help you today but you got to surrender to him you got to trust him you got to give yourself to him and God will do whatsoever he needs to do in you. Oh, as God has spoken to you, oh, now go and look into the Word. Now go and examine the Word. Now go and confirm the Word. After the Revelation, church, it doesn't stop. We must keep on praising Him. We must keep on glorifying Him. We must keep on praising His name. We must keep on serving Him. We must keep on worshiping Him. Oh, after the revelation, we must keep on giving God the glory. We must keep on giving God the honor. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Jesus, will you give us strength today? Jesus, will you move on this congregation and bind us in unity, in oneness, Lord God, one in 
direction. One in purpose. One, oh God, in serving you. Will you align us with your will? Will you help us as a church, Lord God, to find our purpose in you and to do what you've called us to do and to surrender all to you and to trust and obey you? God, have your way in this church, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Help me, Lord, to lead this church in the way of God. Help me, Lord, to be the best example I can be to this church that we, oh God, will fulfill the vision and the purpose and the will of God. Bless and keep us, Lord God. Help us, Lord God, to be as these shepherds, Lord. To go forth and to rejoice, to share the word of God. Help us to be as the shepherds, Lord God, to give you honor and praise. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you today. For there is none like you. There is none like you. Somebody just lift your hands and love the Lord before we leave. Just love him. Just love him. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Come on, tell him you love him. 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 Show him you love him. Show him you love him. Show him you adore him. Show him. Show him that he's everything to you. He has made you everything. Now, will you show God he's everything to you? Oh, great is thy faithfulness. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. God bless your church. I love you. Have a wonderful rest of your day. May the Lord be with you. We'll be here Thursday for Bible study. And we will be back here Friday night for our watch night service. Have a wonderful rest of your day. God bless you and keep you. Have a great rest of your day. Still got